Welcome to the 8th Amazing Race Canada 4 recap episode of the Yachting Number podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who has no trouble hitting baseballs at small children, Logan Saunders. Morning. Good morning, and what an episode that was. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit disappointing knowing it was going to be a non-elimination this week, but overall, it's just a, it, was, it was entertaining to say the least. Glad, glad that we're finally heading out of... Uh, uh, Kingston, Ontario, and not to like Havana, Ontario, and instead it's actually international travel by heading to Cuba. I like the fact that they basically just adopted the Hammerots principle of throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. Mm-hmm. I think after you know just a task last week where you had to have yet another parliamentary memorize this speech slash heritage task, that was great to do a complete you know just complete one eighty from that. So, previously, six teams continued racing from Volda Mussoliniville to Kingston, Ontario. At the changeover of trains in Toronto, Gillian and Emmett grilled Frankie and Amy about who gave them the express pass, and Frankie broke easily. At the detour, Steph and Kristen blasted ahead, allowing them to U-turn fart-faces Gillian and Emmett, who passed it on to Joel and Ashley. The roadblock saw Kristen also dominate, as her and Steph didn't even need their express pass and checked in first for a third time in a row. Gillian Lowell fell behind at a blind-look task and couldn't catch up, becoming the fifth team to be eliminated from the race. Monty didn't even mention that it was a hat trick. He always does that whenever a team wins three legs in a row. They podiumed as well. He loves podiuming. Yeah, I guess uh, he's just over the ice hockey references. Yeah, I'm glad that he doesn't have a team of Olympians to big up. Mm -hmm. And teams must now fly to Havana, Cuba and drive their 60s Chevrolets to the Club Tropicana to find their next clue. And they've swapped out their BMO cards this week for BHO cards from Havana. And they have $200 American for this leg of the race. BHO, that's a partnership with BMO, right? So on the partnership banks, uh, yeah, you know, between borders, sort of like I know with my cousin when she travels here from the States that, uh, was it, like Bank of America has a partnership with the Scotiabank. The Scotiabank off of Scotiabank American Express card? Yeah, from the first two seasons of Amazing Race Canada, yeah. It was only the second season, I think, because it was Interact the first season. Oh yeah, second season, so yeah. And uh, until further notice, teams can only communicate with each other and with taxi drivers and anyone they get uh, instructions from in Spanish. Just to make it interesting. Yeah, weren't they provided with like, Spanish uh, language books, like the easy phrases and stuff? That was within the clue, right? Yeah, I think it was specifically like Uruguayan Spanish, though, just to make things interesting. Oh yeah, just because how much Cubans hate the Uruguayans. Who doesn't? 
That's that's a good point. Yeah, I suppose, I know Par- Paraguayans really hate the Uruguayans and vice vice versa. Those soccer games, you know, the, they can get pretty intense, and if something goes wrong, you know, you better clear out the stadium fast. Well, I think it all boils down to when they were having the uh, the grudge matches over who gets control of um, Falls de Iguazu. The, the what? The Iguazu Falls. Oh, oh, I see the Falls of yeah. I I made the Spanish translation. You're keeping up with the Spanish, just like the racers. That is the name of the uh, the national park that it's in, Logan. Ah, Falls de Iguazu. Mm-hmm. I guess we could have had a Shola and Duane as our Falls de Iguazu uh, correspondence for this episode. I do love that Amazing Race France basically had an entire leg just revolving around that national park. They stayed there for a whole leg? Yeah, they stayed there for a whole leg and did like an adventure leg there. And it was actually okay. quite good. It wasn't terrible. I guess if it's a big enough park, you can keep traveling for hours and hours, I guess. Yeah, it was a keep on racing leg as well. Oh, so they didn't even eliminate anybody just because it all took place within a park. No, they... It's a couple of years since I've seen Amazing Race France, but they did Fox de Gazoo and then went to... Uh, it was either Buenos Aires or Rio, I can't remember which. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. One has the Olympics, one doesn't. Who cares? <laughs> exactly. So um, I hear that the this episode originally premiered... Uh, there was an advanced screening on the... Jumbotron, I think in Toronto, uh, near the ACC, the Air Canada Centre, where uh, James Duffy uh, provided commentary uh, throughout the course of the episode. A lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. He got to tag along with the racers for this leg of the race. Didn't Duffy also um, do all the voices? Because nobody could hear them. Oh, yeah. I think uh, he did really try his hand a lot of the impressions. I think his impression of Reed and Yvette was slightly offensive, but uh, he, you know, he tried his best. You know, he tried to do his homework. I have heard that he was rooting for Stefan and Antoine just so he could do his uh, patented Stefan impression. He's ah, wet! <laughs> yeah, I can't tell him and Duffy apart in terms of voice. That was, that was spot on, Michael. I thought so. So, once teams get to Club Tropicana... They have to, in a throwback to anything Amazing Race Israel likes to do, they have to learn a routine set to Wham's song, Club Tropicana, and perform it to the crowd to get the next clip. Is it appropriate to be referencing Brett Michaels on The Amazing Race? Brett Michaels is uh, Poison, isn't he? Oh. Wham uh, was... George, yeah, George we, Michael. Wham was George Michael, yeah. Yeah. George Michael, uh, singer-songwriter, not... Uh, not not the guy from uh, Arrested Development. You know, it's funny in my head, I'm like, it's not Shawn Michaels, so I thought Brett Michaels sounded right, because Shawn Michaels is the name of the professional wrestler, but clearly I failed on both accounts uh, today. So, um, why do teams get uh, American money for this leg of the race? I mean, isn't the embargo still kind of going on? Didn't Monty say it was just to make things a bit more fun? Yeah, where you just try to find a way to exchange it with one of the locals, I guess. For the bunch of Cuban pesos. Yeah. It reminds me actually of a story I read on uh, Vice uh, about a week ago. A guy in Venezuela got a hold of uh, 100 euros. And then because of how ridiculous the inflation everything is in Venezuela, he traded in the, his 100 euros with uh, somebody local. He just posted it on Facebook. And then one of his friends uh, got uh, paid for the 100 euros from him. And then he got a huge stack of money. And he pretty much lived like a king for a week. He rented a really nice convertible, um, 
he stayed four or five nights in a really luxurious hotel. Um, he paid for a flight within Venezuela, and uh, he kept going to five star restaurants. I think for a week straight, and he still, you know, he still had some uh, money left over. And then I think he got twenty four cases of alcohol or something like that, just something ridiculous. And he did it all by trading in a hundred euros for one week. So I don't know how far you can make uh, uh, American money go when you trade it in for the Cuban peso. Can't imagine it being like Venezuela, though. No, I don't think Cuba is that poor. Uh, so is there anything to say about this task? Um, it was fun to see Joel attempt this, you know, see him try to channel his inner George Michael. I have a feeling that uh, he didn't listen to Wham! too much growing up. No, as we've previously proven, though, Ashley is a professional dancer, didn't you say? Yeah, I think so. The the new Dana. Yeah, so uh, it was basically her task to lose. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. So uh, Joel and Ashley left in first with Rita and Yvette in second, Steph and Kristen in third, Frankie and Amy in fourth, and Jillian and Emma in last. And teams must now find the Florida bar to find their next clue. If only George Michael uh, came up with a remix to Shine Your Light just to keep things going with this season. Well, Kelly and Kate would have been all over that. Yeah. I think they would have been all over George Michael, too. I mean, George Michael wouldn't have been all over them, but, but still. No, may- maybe if it was on uh, Hamster Teeth. What? Hamster Teeth? Have you never heard uh, the story about George <laughs> George Michael? Not with Hamster Teeth. Um, Hamster Heath is a... Um... A park in London, and I seem to remember that he um, he got caught basically parading around trying to find. Um, uh, he was again accused of engaging in anonymous public sex. This time at London's Ham- Hampstead Heath, he was uh, photographed in the uh, the press. Wow. Yeah. Was this just recently? Uh, Two thousand and six. Okay, ten years ago. Hmm. So you learned something new. Yeah, same year as Exile Island. Okay, so this next task, what, are they, what, what was this task again? Once they got to the Floridita bar, it's the first double battle of the season, and teams had, oh, to, yeah. teams had to balance a tray of 12 mojitos between uh, one hand from each team member and carry them from the Floridita bar to the Hotel Ambos Mundos through a street festival. Whoever spilled the least liquid uh, below the red line would win the double battle. If it was a tie, then the team who made it to the hotel first would win. Did you hear what the last place uh, penalty was for this double battle? Uh, it was just the traditional Canadian 15-minute penalty before they received their next clue. No, actually, Michael. Did you not see the episode? The actual penalty for finishing last this time was that you had to sit through a message from Joel and Ashley's great-aunt Sylvia, and then you got to continue racing. Oh, I don't think that was in my copy. I just got told it was no. That that might have been the advanced screen. They may have edited that. In the, they may have edited that that out in the in the you know in the CTV version or in the or whatever other version there was online. But yeah, you had a whoever got last, which ended up being Frankie and Amy for hilarious reasons. Um, yeah, they just got a video from Joel and Ashley's great aunt Sylvia. Didn't even know who great aunt Sylvia was, so Frankie and Amy were really confused. Just to watch some older lady just ramble about random crap. I think she was, um, she's very anti-communist, so it was a lot of hate speech towards Cubans uh, for the most part. It's actually interesting this season that they, the two countries that Amazing Race Canada travels to are two of 
about only five countries in the world that are still communist. Like, does Mike Bickerton have secret uh, red leanings? Yeah, it's a communist season. I mean, we're Canada's people already accused Canada of being really socialist, so we're just slowly transitioning into that next step. How weird. Didn't uh, twig that. Yeah. Uh, so it was Joel and Ashley and Risha and Yvette in the first match. It was quite the showdown. Um, Ashley kind of screamed and was freaking out because she has a fear of glass. So the trays were just going everywhere. And Reed and Yvette, uh, you know, kept calm and were able to win this first battle. Yeah, I don't think it helped with Ashley that uh, because it was a street festival, everyone was basically trying to take glasses off their trays. Mm-hmm. And what also didn't help is that there were several people who recognized Ashley calling ball. In fact, one of the one of the drinks, there was like a there was like a bug that flew into the drink, and then it noticed Ashley and it flew up and said, "Are you Ashley calling ball?" And I was kind of surprised that the bugs could talk, but yeah, Ashley just gets recognized everywhere, not just by uh, younger women or you know people near her hometown, but by bugs in Cuba. She is an inspiration to the Cuban people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that left Joel and Ashley to take on Stefan Christen in the next match. And uh, Stefan Christen's superior height helped them to basically raise the glasses above the street festival and uh, then beat Joel and Ashley again. Yeah, let's, let's raise a glass to that. That was an impressive performance. Cheers to them, Stefan mm-hmm. Christen. Cheers to you, Cuba. And... Um, the third match was the one that we've been waiting to talk about all day because it was oh, uh, Joel and Ashley and Frankie and Amy. It probably didn't appear in your version, Michael, but during the commercial break, there was an advertisement by AA, believe it or not. Really? The friends of uh, Bill W? Yeah, Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, ran an advertisement spot uh, at the end of this segment. With no, well, There was a Mentos, though. There was... It was Alcoholics Anonymous presented by Mentos. But yeah, I think it had to do with the fact that as soon as the task started, um, Frankie and Amy just started going to town on the mojitos. My version did have a um, a thing in at the bottom of the screen saying, drink responsibly, basically. Mm-hmm. Which sort of set me up for how much Frankie and Amy were just going to get bladdered thanks to the mojitos. Yeah, in, in BC here... Um, yeah, it doesn't, it's not even drink responsibly. You know, the beer commercials, it just says drink. That does sound like the BC that I know and love. <laughs> but yeah, Frankie and Amy, you know, just... Uh, how many how many glasses were on the tray there? It was 12 each. So yeah, Frankie and Amy were absolutely loaded and they had to redo this this task. Um, because yeah, they drank them all and then the, they got all pretty much all the way towards the end. And the judges said, well, you know, we... We can't really accept this when you drank all the drank all the mojitos. You know, you kind of missed the point of the task. So Frankie and Amy forfeited that round, and uh, and Joel and Ashley essentially win this match by default, even though they didn't do all that well. It's just because Frankie and Amy were disqualified. And uh, the last round was Frankie and Amy and Jillian and Emmett. And thankfully, the Big Brother uh, adoptees were Gillian and Emmett rather than John Pardy and Nedda, because, you know, John Pardy would have been all over the drinks. Yeah, he would have been probably drinking from both trays. Almost certainly. I don't know if it would have been Nedda. Wouldn't it have been um, 
what's her face, Allison? Weren't they the two that had to do the drinking task in Big Brother Canada too? Yeah, but everyone wants to see, if you're going to have a Big Brother X's team, everyone wants to see John and Nedda. Oh, they're not dating anymore? No, they, they broke up about a year ago, I think. Oh, so they didn't last that long then. No, I think they did at least, I'm pretty sure. Hilarious. I hope I'm right, because, you know, that's quite mean otherwise. They don't, they don't look like, they don't act like a couple. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that she removed all pictures of him off her Instagram. So what did he do then? This is, there's got to be some gossip here. I'm not sure. I don't think it's ever been confirmed. I think when we do our interview with Emmett and Jillian, uh, separate, separate interviews, um, we really need to ask this. Yeah. Just don't ask a single question about them or the Amazing Race Canada. Just, Canada, just get the, uh, the gossip on John and Netta. Mm-hmm. And just only talk about John and Netta for the whole interview. And Emin and Jillian, surprisingly, are able to defeat a wasted Frankie and Amy at this task. Yeah, it's probably for the best for Frankie and Amy that they got 15 minutes to sober up having to listen to Great Aunt Sylvia. Yeah, they were just chugging water. Um, luckily, there was uh, like porta potties right there, too, so they could just keep on drinking and, you know, get all the alcohol out of their system. And Sylvia's message, yeah, I think pretty sure it went to over 15 minutes. So I think Frankie and Amy even... Uh, uh, you know, were, you, were you even able to squeeze in a quick nap, and then they woke up, and Aunt Sylvia's message was still going on. I, I think she was talking about, I don't know, oh, was she? She just talks too much. She does, and it, it's a shame Ben's not with us to recreate it. Yeah, I think she was uh, talking about, oh, my favorite cock candy flavors are uh, honey. Um, Chocolate, mint, and strawberry rhubarb. And I'm thinking, wow, they, they make strawberry rhubarb uh, cough candies? That's I didn't know that. Thanks, Aunt Sylvia, for that information. At least Aunt Sylvia is teaching us everything every time she appears. And she said that the first cough candy she had was in 19, 1971. It's a it's a bit more recent than 19 diggity two when she was telling those stories. I I should add. She even went on about the whole uh, about Fidel Castro coming to power. I don't know why she felt it was necessary to give a whole history lesson about those dang about those dang commies in uh, 1950 1959. I think it was when uh, you know Fidel took over. Did you see that he appeared for the uh, the first time for a Cuban celebration on Saturday? He appeared for the first time in years. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's not been seen in public in years. Was he smoking a cigar? Almost certainly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Frankie and Amy lose the double battle and have to serve an Aunt Sylvia time penalty to receive their next clue. And once teams do receive their next clue, they have to head to the Museum of the Revolution where they'll find their next clue. Ah, uh, yes. Here we go. The, the, here come the Castro tasks. Here come the slightly offensive tasks. Oh, I love Mike Bickerton for uh, some of these tasks. Yes, to um, to commemorate the Bay of Pigs invasion, it's a roadblock which is who's feeling piggy. And in this roadblock, one team must head to the uh, Castillo de, de San Salvador de la Punta, uh, dressed as a pig, and then recreate the invasion by swimming in from the bay, returning on foot to the Museum of the Revolution, and then using a paintball gun to correctly target the five portraits that are hidden in the museum of Castro's relatives. And once they target the five correct people, a Castro impersonator will give them their next clue. Yeah, you know, even though it's uh, 
even though uh, I don't think the states are really looking to assassinate Castro anymore, he still has a he still has a double that uh, is handing out these clues. And it was Rita, Steph, Joel, Jillian, and Frankie doing this roadblock. Yeah, Frankie's aim. I mean, she doesn't get there till much later, but Frankie's aim was a bit off. I think she was still feeling the effects from the mojitos. I think she actually accidentally shot herself in the face with the paintball gun uh, um, the first time, as well as uh, even during the swim from the bay, she was just, you know, it's a good thing they were wearing life jackets because she was just zigzagging all throughout the bay. She couldn't, she couldn't swim in a straight line to uh, save her life. Do you think the reason that they put the swimming task right after the drinking task was basically just to sober up anyone who had had a few mojitos, give them a bit of cold water and shock therapy? Yeah, I think producers uh, probably saw that they anticipated that. I think, and it was a, it was a good move on their part because that kind of made the normally like I wouldn't be uh, too much of a fan of just watching contestants swim through a bay, but if they're heavily intoxicated, then it kind of makes it funny. It also kind of surprised me that they did this in a busy shipping canal, because there were some near misses. I know they didn't have mm-hmm. far to swim, but I'm surprised the insurance let them actually do this task. Yeah, like Steph was almost ran over by that one, you know, by that one ship. Yeah, there's a lot of ferries that go from around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the ferries too, yeah. Um, just, uh, yeah, people were taking pictures of them swimming in from the bay, though, because they saw the red and yellow flags, and they knew... Uh, they knew instantly, um, while well, they saw saw some other flags too, they knew instantly, just like Heidi, Heidi was on the ship too, that uh, that it was uh, Amazing Race Canada being filmed there, because as we all know, Amazing Race Canada is the number one uh, TV show in Cuba, just one sl- spot ahead of the Cuban uh, Little League World Series. I can't say I'm, I'm surprised that in Monty's demonstration, he completely, uh, his aim was true. He just wanted to show off his tattoo, I think, with another swimming task, just like with the synchronized uh, synchronized swimming. Yeah, his aim with the paintball gun was pretty damn good, though. I'm very impressed with him. Yeah, like he kept he kept going for the nose. I don't know why, but everybody got hit in the nose by him. The paintballs were red that he fired, too. Nobody else got to use red paintballs. I think it's just because Monty's... Uh, a ginger that it was like a it was more of an orangish red i guess yeah i was, I was gonna say i thought they looked more orange to me but i'm slightly colorblind right yeah they were orangish red michael you can you can trust you can trust me on that that i'm telling the truth for the first time ever i can actually trust you yeah you know everything else you might might want to question me on uh but, but this week uh, the paintballs were definitely orangish red didn't it sort of tip off all the teams as to which targets to go for if they just saw the orange streak on them, though? It kind of made the task a bit easier. Yeah, but Frankie didn't notice. She just started shooting wildly. I think she even got some of the production members. Did you see that article that the Calgary Herald published? Apparently, they just like that crew last week, they got to tag along in Kingston. I guess uh, uh, folks from the Calgary Herald got to tag along for the Cuba leg. And they were there watching the, they're there watching the roadblock go down, and then Frankie just shot a bunch of them in the face, thinking it was funny, which it was. To be fair, the first time that Frankie was trying to shoot, she was sort of going from side to side. She was still a little bit wasted. So yeah, this is one of the more near the knuckle tests that I ever thought Amazing Race Canada would do. Yeah, especially the fact that it dressed up like a pig, like like Joel's Porky Pig uh, impression. 
I wasn't expecting, but I'm glad he embraced this task. I mean, I'm kind of surprised that they did it. They didn't actually do it on the Bay of Pigs, given that, you know, they did it on a busy shipping lane instead. But I, I suppose that if they were doing tasks for the rest of the episode in Havana, it really didn't make sense for them to actually not go to the Bay of Pigs. Yeah. What Lowell would have loved this tech with Roblox, it, it uh, directly implies a pun. In fact, uh, when he was eliminated because of how upset the viewers online were, uh, production at the pit stop uh, let Lowell create the create the roadblock task in Cuba, and that's what he chose. So to those of you that said, oh, you know, production didn't really care about Julian Law once they're eliminated, that they should uh, do something for them by giving them a huge prize or, or a horse start. There was even the one person who said for that the express pass that Steph and Kristen didn't use should have gone to Julian Law. And no, I'm not making that up. Instead, uh, producers came up with a fair solution and instead, just let Lowell create this roadblock, and I'm I'm glad he I'm glad he uh, got got to have this moment for himself. Well, to be fair, they could have given Julian Lowell the express pass, but they were already eliminated by that point, so it would have been as useless as if it was actually in the game. Yeah, they would have need the return ticket, or is that what they call it in the Masonry's China? This it year? is. Or is that only Big Brother? No, it's the return ticket. Okay. Big Brother is the round trip. Oh yeah. So yeah, the return ticket. If they. If that was on the other, the flip side of the express pass. Then Julian Law could have been uh, allowed back into the race. Plus, they would have been able to keep it because there's still the express pass that's unused. So they would have had a huge advantage. Maybe for the Amazing Race Canada Five, they should uh, have an additional task that is find the way into this secret room. There's 12 envelopes here. All of them contain an express pass, but one of them also contains a return ticket. And it's going to be a shame because there's only going to be nine teams next season. So three of the envelopes won't even be picked up, and I guarantee you one of them's going to be the the round trip. Yeah, and they can only use uh, the round trip ticket up until the end of leg four. No, I thought it was leg three. No, it's it's four legs from when it's found. Okay. Hmm. So is there anything else to say about this roadblock? Jillian dressed up as a pig. I know like Emmett wouldn't have been anywhere close to her. But she was still trying to yell at him from uh, at the sideline, along the sidelines there. Yeah, she was still audible over all the uh, the horns from the ships. Yeah, and then uh, I think uh, uh, Jillian accidentally ran to Joel during the swim. And Ashley, you know, he uh, didn't have such nice words for Jillian. It was, uh, well, let's just say it was a lot more offensive than what we heard last week. It was a lot more offensive than calling her a heart case. I love the fact that our podcast last week was just stuffed with the sound glitch from the episode, calling people fart faces. We had the entire clip of Frankie's stumble. Um, there was a couple of other ones as well. <laughs> I can't remember whether I included uh, Joel saying that they'll pay for it, though. Yeah, all he has to do is say it again in the previously on segment. They'll probably, well, they did re-air it this week. I don't know if they'll re-air it again next week. So, and also during the roadblock, do you notice the portraits, Mike, Michael? Like, they were all of Castro's relatives that they had to shoot at. They were all, like, the nephews and nieces. One of them was an infant. An infant. And they'd photoshopped terrible moustaches onto all of them. Yeah. One of them was a handlebar moustache, which, uh, for, for me personally, a handlebar moustache. That's just classic. And, uh, yeah, the the... The one mustache on the infant uh, was kind of amusing. I'm surprised that they uh, have a portrait of that in the 
and the Museum of the Revolution. The former Cuban Presidential Palace. Oh, the former Cuban Presidential Palace was a museum? Yeah, they've now made it a museum. The Museum of the Revolution. Oh, I see. It's a museum now. Okay. Actually, the elementary school I went to in Abbotsford, uh, it was one, one of the oldest, or it was either one of the oldest or the oldest building uh, in, in the city. And I went to elementary school there. And then about two years after I moved to Vernon, they turned it into a museum for about 10 years. And then they completely shut it down. Fun fact. Fun fact about Logan's life. Mm-hmm. That's why everyone listens to this podcast. They just want to listen about my history. So once teams complete the roadblock, they have to find the Estadio Latino America to find the next clue. Do they still have to be dressed up as a pig? Yeah, the team member who did the roadblock still has to be dressed as a pig till the uh, till the detail. Did you know, Michael? Um, I just read this a bit online. This is online yesterday, but apparently, you know how they had to speak Spanish throughout the whole throughout the whole leg once they're in Cuba. Um, during the roadblock, um, the team members could only communicate in pig Latin. They had to take a break from their Spanish for uh, for the duration of the roadblock. So when they're asking the locals in the museum, you know, where's where's the portrait? You know, they really had to stop and think and and uh, ask in pig Latin. And of course, Frankie, you know, um, she can't even say the alphabet backwards at this point. So she was assessed with a thirty minute penalty for. Or just speaking regular regular Latin as opposed to pig Latin. Slur, slurred regular Latin, I should say. Yeah, she was talking about Caecilius being in Horto Ambulaba, that sort of thing. What's that reference? I don't understand that reference. Did you ever do Latin at school? No. There's a, um, the sort of textbook that basically every British child um, used for, um, for their Latin course was Cambridge Latin course, which is all about a... Um, a guy from Pompeii called Caecilius and his family, Natella, and uh, all the rest of them who I can't remember. His family member is named Natella? Matella. That's still... Oh, Matella, not Natella. But if you've seen the Doctor Who episode, The Fires of Pompeii, Peter Capaldi's character in that was ca- uh, based off Caecilius from uh, the Cambridge Lessons course. You see, I've never seen Doctor Who. Typical. <laughs> um... Uh... Yeah, I can't think of anything too much else that was eventful during the roadblock. I know Rita, Rita killed it again. Actually, most of the teams did fairly well. The portraits are were fairly large. The mustaches were almost as large, so they were able to hit on target. It could have been a lot more offensive, like the detail. I noticed that uh, some of the people in the museum, though, I think this was another one of Will's jokes for the task, but they were tossing around a football, and I was thinking, man, you know, Cubans... Cubans don't even play American football. They just play, you know, regular football as we know it everywhere else in the world. And then I realized, oh, it's because they're tossing around the pigskin. That's what a football is called, the pigskin. Yeah. And they were just casually, they were just casually tossing, tossing the pigskin around while giggling to themselves. And I don't think the teams really noticed. And um, once teams get to the stadium, uh, they have to take part in Cuba's national sport, which is baseball. And in this active route info, teams must take part in a drill and correctly return a pitch to the target, a little league pitcher's face, in one swing. Uh, once the child's parent is angry enough at them, a bald dude would give them their next clue. Yeah, like I looked this up online, and this is completely true. Um, yeah, instead of like bat boys or ball girls and Major League Baseball in Cuba, it's actually bald dudes, like older, 
older men who, uh, you know, who uh, collect the foul balls and whatnot. They've got to have some way to keep the uh, the older members of society fit. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like in the states how older people always get employed as Walmart greeters. I think Great Aunt Sylvia. I think I think that might have been in her video message this week, but I think she talked about how she had to end her video message because she was running 20 minutes late for her shift as a Walmart greeter. Or as they say in Cuba, El Walmart. El Walmart, yeah. Which, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Spanish, uh, that translates to the Walmart. There we are, Spanish lesson for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I am very surprised that not only did production come up with this task, but that all the insurance companies let them do this task, and that Cuba let them do this task. Yeah, I think the one kid got a concussion. And this is where we saw our Golden Girls, Stefan Kristen, basically five-hole it. Yeah, you think, oh man, like people online, I was, I, I looked it up on Twitter, and a bunch of people online were saying, oh, this, this task blatantly favors Stefan Kristen, first day of the Express Pass, and now they get this baseball task. Like, are they, is this season just rigged for them to win? Uh, but no, they just kept, it was like the, the, the Little League player even had to throw underhand and Steph and Kristen were taking turns and they were still swinging and missing. Like if they were against that kid from, uh, uh, rookie of the year, uh, Hosengardner, when he did that underhand toss, uh, near the end of the movie, I mean, Steph and Kristen would have been in trouble. I am quite surprised that they didn't after the last task, just basically recreate the uh, the baseball theme task from Major Race 22's finale. They, w- they went to Nationals Park in Washington, D.C., and one person had to um, go on a zip wire over, over the stadium and their partner had to catch a baseball. But obviously, if they did do that and the roadblock performing members were the ones throwing the baseball, we could have made jokes about pigs flying. Oh, yeah, then we would have had the Mole 5 reference. Like, we could have had Paul Grassi as a loyal, as an avid listener of this podcast. Damn it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pro- pro- why did production fail us like this? Yeah, I, I don't know why production didn't give us that um, fun Mole reference, because they basically just do this season for us now, let's be honest. No one else is watching anymore. No. And, uh, yeah, just each team uh, kept trying to take a swing. I know... Uh, I know. I was surprised that Reen and Vet were uh, pole hitters. Or was that Steph and Kristen who kept uh, who kept pole hitting? Yeah, yeah, it was Steph and Kristen because they were getting very frustrated at both of them not being able to hit the child's face. Yeah, they they couldn't they couldn't they couldn't hit the ball in a straight line. It was really it was really hurting them. Well, not as much as it was hurting the kid by the other teams when they did succeed at the task. Like there were so many bruises. This sounds like you're just setting me up for a uh, a Stephen Christian joke. Is it? Well, about them not being able to do anything straight. Oh, Michael, I wasn't even I wasn't even thinking about that. You set them up, I knock them down. <laughs> yeah, I, I I put up the pins and you take down the pins. What well, what were the other highlights from the baseball task? Uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh, well, of course, ranking Amy. We're slightly sobering up by this point. Um, and had a massive hangover and then uh, had to try and hit things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, every, everything was just a fire to them. You know, all the balls just just, fl- just flaming across the plate. They, you know, t- they struggled with this. It was like they were in some sort of Mario and Sonic game. 
Mm-hmm. But eventually, because of how much Steph and Kristen were messing up, Frankie and Amy were able to pass Steph and Kristen at this task. That's how that's how badly Steph and Kristen messed up. They couldn't hit a baseball over somebody who had twelve mojitos just a couple of hours earlier. Yeah, one team who'd had twelve mojitos each. Each, yeah, and they both had to succeed at this task. I mean, it was the biggest shock of probably the season so far for me was the fact that Steph and Kristen just couldn't get it together. Yeah, I know that some people online were saying, "Oh, the season hasn't really had any big moments." But seeing Steph and Kristen lose this task over an intoxicated Frankie and Amy, you know, um, I, I think that qualifies as a big moment personally. Yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the sort of thing that James Duthie will be talking about at the end of the season, and probably the sort of thing that he was doing stupid voices with Steph and Kristen about. Ashley kind of freaked out about the baseball. Like, she's just afraid of everything, but she still got it done. Ashley was very close to becoming the banner, but I, I thought... We can't have too many Ashley reactions as banners this season because she's already on three. It's getting a bit ridiculous now. Yeah, like, uh, but Ashley, though, I mean, she wasn't that strong at the task, though. I mean, she ultimately lost out to Reed and Yvette, I think. And just uh, with with her as well, I mean, with the way she struggled, there's a reason why her last name is Colleen Ball and not Colleen Baseball. Didn't it get so bad for Steph and Kristen that the child whose face they were aiming at basically had to wear a giant... Uh, dog cone to make it easier for him to hit. Yeah, and you know, the kid was, was throwing underhand and Steph and Kristen uh, failed for another, I think it was 30 minutes because after they throw underhand for 30 minutes, then they just put up a T and then Steph and Kristen I mean, they did this within two, they, they missed it the first time but the second time they finally hit it off the T and then yeah hit, hit, hit him right in the dog cone. Yeah. I think that was probably just to protect his face as well, because he he was getting pretty beat up by the fact that he just kept getting hit in the face by baseballs. Yeah, if you thought uh, Aaron Hill or uh, Mike Piazza suffered bad concussions in baseball, this Cuban player, you know, he was he was a champ. He's I think he's going to be in the majors. Uh, he's the MVP of the episode for me. He's the MVP, the most valuable punching bag. Uh, so once teams completed the baseball task, they went straight to the detour, which was negotiate or detonate. And in negotiate, teams are tied to two tourists, an American and a Russian, and must successfully negotiate with the tourists to exchange some of their possessions for their next clue. And in detonate, teams must take part in a simulation exercise and learn how to successfully target five major cities in the world using nuclear weapons. Once five cities are obliterated, they receive their next clue. And negotiate required teams to speak in a traditional JFK accent when speaking to the Russian, and a stereotypical Russian accent when speaking to the American, and Detonate's instructions are written entirely in Spanish. The JFK voices, oh man. Uh, I don't think Joel practices the JFK accent too much. No, but I liked the fact that we got a Frankie and Amy slightly slurred JFK accent. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost as bad as Kevin Costner's uh, JFK accent. Ich bin ein Berliner. <laughs> what? Is that German? Seriously, you don't know. JFK did a speech in Berlin where um, where he said that he was a Berliner. Oh yeah, I do remember that story now. I thought I was going to have to be really disappointed at you again then. No, no, no. I, I, that's one of the more famous gaffes in, in politics, isn't it? Yeah. I know my JFK basically lurched into Richard Nixon from Future Armor. Aro. Yeah. Aro. Ich bin, ich bin Charleston Chu. 
Charleston Chew. Chewing with iron with Spiral Agnew. Spiral Agnew was the vice president uh, of Richard Nixon during his first term. Spiral Agnew was Greek. And yet he's still allowed to be Veep. He's a Greek Veep. I don't like those Greek Veeps. I am very surprised that production came up with this task. I want to know what possessed him to, uh, to think, hmm, I know what we can do. Let's do a really, really offensive Cuban task. Detour? It's pronounced detour. Well, I'm shocked that they actually found somewhere that would let them do a simulation exercise about nuclear weapons. Yeah, and like learn how to detonate a nuclear bomb. Five of them in major, yeah, major, major cities. It's pretty bad that Sudbury was one of the targets, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they kind of deserve it, though. It was Sudbury. Uh, I think the second target was Kingston. Yeah, it was Kingston. And the third target. I thought it was Voldemort Mussoliniville. Oh, yeah. Voldemort Mussoliniville was the first target. Then it was Sudbury. Then it was Kingston. And then, for some reason, I don't know why, but a Calulate was the fourth target. I, I think, personally, that's, that's not really worth the investment when you spend that much money in nuclear weapons. Like, what damage are you doing exactly? I think it was just to sort of make none of it feel included again, as if it was part of the Amazing Race Canada for once. And then the fifth target, because of James Duthie's involvement in this episode, the fifth target was James Duthie's house. And it did literally ones of dollars of damage. Yeah, and apparently it extended just far out enough that it included uh, the garage that uh, Devin Siltendieck uh, rents out, and that was taken out as well, so he has nowhere to live anymore. I love the fact that Duffy didn't even know about this until it aired on the Jumbotron. Yeah, like he was like, "Hey, I'm on the Amazing. I'm I'm relevant on the Amazing Race again." He sort of started doing stupid, uh, stupid voices, and then just stopped when he realized that the fifth target was going to be his house. Yeah, and he thought this was real footage at first, so he was really scared. And he's like, "Oh right, it was a, it was a it was a simulation. Sorry, sorry that sorry that I was panicking on screen. Like he actually ran ran out of ran out of frame." And then the people, the production members around him were like, no, 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 Duffy, 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 this isn't real, this isn't real. And then he breathed a sigh of relief and then returned to his desk. He returned to, uh, to be researching his ice hockey games that he's going, going to be doing. Yeah. So uh, who chose Negotiate? Uh, that was uh, Frankie Namey uh, and Joel and Ashley, I think, were the only two. Yeah, they were the only ones who were who thought, oh, oh, we can do a JFK accent, no problem, and having to, yeah, like the, surprisingly, when they were tethered to, what was it, the American and a Russian? Yeah, it was an American and a Russian. Yeah, um, when they were tethered to them, um, apparently, the they had to swap out the Russian for somebody else right near the end of the task, because the Russian tested positive for anabolic steroids. Yeah, I, fe- I felt bad for... Um... For Ashley, that she had to give up her Miss, Mrs. Universe sash to be able to get the next clue, but you know, needs must. Yeah, like the local was really demanding that sash. For once, someone was actually demanding sash, unlike Survivor Nicaragua. Yeah, no, no one was demanding sash in Survivor Nicaragua, that is for sure. Or Survivor New Zealand, as it's going to be, seeing as though New Zealand is filming in Nicaragua at the moment. And yet, no Survivor Canada. Well, how can you have bikinis when you dumping someone in uh, Ikalui or wherever. 
Oh, dear, dear Christ, it better not be because, oh, it has to be filmed within Canada. No other version of Survivor does that. And there's been like 50 of them. Not even Survivor Pakistan presented by Mountain Dew filmed within Pakistan. Survivor Australia did film in Australia for its first season. Oh, one exception. One exception. Yeah, they, they've, I think it was Western Australia they filmed in, and then um, then they went to Vanuatu for Celebrity Survivor, and now they're in Samoa. Oh, yeah. And that premieres on Sunday. Yay! I shall be watching. I'm actually worryingly hyped for um, Australian Survivor. So, well, because it's such a unique format they're doing as well. The cast actually doesn't look terrible, which is great. Yeah, one of them is actually one of the Facebook groups that I'm in. Is that cat by any chance? Uh, no. I'm Team Tsunami at the moment. Have you seen Sue yet? No, I haven't been able to really look up anything. Oh, look, look up Sue's 40-second video. She's amazing. She is my absolute survivor hero, because she's <laughs> she's just awesome. I, I don't even want to spoil it. So, Detonate proved to be the easier side of the detour, I think. Yeah, mainly because the American and the Russian were both so unbelievably stubborn. Yeah, they just couldn't they just couldn't agree on anything. No. The only thing they really wanted was um was Ashley Sash and then everything else they just were like, No, we're not having that. Yeah. Like Frankie and Amy, yeah. I think they just wanted uh when they said they were team fire and ice, I think uh they want actual fire and to see if they could produce actual blocks of ice, but that didn't happen. Yeah, I think it was a logical move for Frankie Navy to just sort of cut their losses before Steph and Kristen could come to the detail from baseball. Yeah, they, yeah, Frankie Navy, I guess, switched to detonate, eh? Yeah, but it, it was much easier, especially when you when you just look for the big nickel to target Sudbury and that sort of thing. Yeah, and only and with the nuclear weapon they used, uh, I guess, uh, I guess it only cost a nickel to detonate it over Sudbury. That's how much value the city has. Well, it, it sort of tipped them off to one of the locations when uh, the instructions said El Grande Nickel. Yes, El Grande Nickel. So, once teams complete their respective detour choice, they have to find the Hotel Nacional de Cuba, the pit stop for this leg of the race, the last team to check in may be eliminated. Didn't they have to, when they got their clue at the end of the detour, didn't they have to smoke a cigar? Yeah, they, they had to roll and then smoke a cigar. Yeah, like Frankie Nemi had uh, no problem with that. That's what you do in, uh, in that area of BC, but uh, they did have to do it, um, Lady in the Tramp style. Yes, yes, they did. That was very awkward to watch on TV, especially Joel and Ashley. Yeah, let's let's not get into that. Um, um, and then you had uh, Reed and Yvette who never smoked before, so they were just coughing the whole time. Like they, though, those cigars are those Cuban cigars are potent. And then I think Steph and Kristen outright refused because they didn't want to have that affect their uh, athleticism and overall fitness. They didn't want to take up smoking. So um, Rita and Yvette's struggles with the cigar didn't uh, slow them down. But they power through it. They power through it. They checked in first and they win the best prize of the season so far. Yeah, this is their first leg win, by the way. And they're expecting a big prize. And that big prize is... A copy of Dirty Dancing Havana Nights each on Betamax. And I think they got a copy of The Godfather too. But that was just on VHS though. And they got a uh, a copy of Grand Theft Auto Vice City as well. <laughs> yes. But it was only in Spanish. Oh, so they dubbed Tommy Versetti's voice. It's now El Vice City. El Vice City. No one would be Grand or uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's gra- Grande Theft Auto. And it's a <laughs> And second place was... Uh, Gillian and Emmett. Gillian Emmett, right. Yeah, another... They're on the podium again, though. And Third was Joel and Ashley. Yeah. And Frankie and Amy, after 12 mojitos each, are still better than Steph and Kristen when Steph and Kristen are, all, are feeling their best. And but yet, Frankie and Amy, at their worst, still beat them after Steph and Kristen win the last three legs. They do with Kelly and Kate and uh, Steph and Kristen checking in last. And instead of a speed bump, production give them basically a handicap from Norgay. And they get kicked in the face by Angel Matos, who is the greaser. Yeah, the Cuban. Yeah, I forget which sport it was in the in the Olympics back in Beijing. But yeah, Angel Matos, the Cuban athlete who got disqualified for kicking the Swedish referee, is considered a is considered a you know a hometown uh, hero because apparently Cubans hate the Swedes, even though one even though Sweden's like socialist and all. But still, yeah, the. Angel Matos got to be the pit stop greeter, and instead of a speed bump, because you know production really listened to our complaints that uh, uh, you know that speed bumps are just should be over and done with now after so many years, that uh, Angel Matos just kicks each of them in the face. Lucky them. Mm-hmm. Not as hard as he kicked the Swedish ref, though. Uh, you know the Swedish ref kind of deserved it. So next time, teams stay in Cuba, and there's still speech volleyball, sugarcane machetes, and an injury that threatens to take one team out of the race. Presumably Steph and Kristen, based on the preview, so things may only get worse on these international legs for Steph and Kristen. Yeah, they dominate at the Canadian legs and then uh, suck at the international legs. Who'd have thunk? Yeah, just like Emin and Julian did earlier this season. So is there anything else to say about this leg? Uh, no, it produced a lot of surprises, things that I wasn't quite expecting. And, you know, it's neat to see Rina and Yvette at the top of the standings. Doesn't this basically rule them out of winning the season now, though? Uh, no, I think they're still getting a pretty good winners at it. I think Frankie and Amy, with how negative their edit was with the drinking the mojitos, I think they fall behind Rina and Yvette in terms of winners at it now. So, uh, yeah, I think Rina and Yvette are new contenders. And yeah, I'm I'm very surprised that the that production basically came up with this leg, because yeah, I would not have guessed it. But at least I mean, it really provided a, a, a diverse series of tasks that really challenged the teams. So thank you for listening to this UR Team Run podcast. You can join us every Wednesday for more Amazing Race Canada recaps. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our own Twitter account. RTV Warriors are our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Logs of Crocky for Logan. See you next week. Peace out. Just chill till the next episode. Yeah!